originally from the Afrikaans. This Dutch word is a compound of support pole and tree or beam. Once you smash the syllables together, though, it means the main haulage shaft of a wagon or cart. And if any travelers have broken theirs, come on down. We have a spare Dissel boom here in the Doob Room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. If Alex keeps talking in his Jeopardy voice, he's going to start a baby boom. Boom, boom. We're in the doom room. I'm Justin, and I'm doomed. I'm Pete. And Did we you are say gonna... the Afrikaans? What What are you trying? What was yeah, that? Yeah, from the, the, the language, Afrikaans. They speak it in South Africa and a couple of other places, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. But you truly sound like when they go to the audio daily double and some random person reads it. That's you. <laughs> That's that what could I'm be for. you. Literally, the only reason I'm doing this podcast is That's to where the big bucks read are. the double Jeopardy. We're in triple Jeopardy, though, because we moved into season three of Doom Patrol, oh. episode seven, Bird Patrol. If Bird it's been a Patrol. while since you watched this episode, a bit of a spoiler warning here, but... Things are really coming to a head with the sisterhood of Dada. While Rita is back in time, we find out kind of what the eternal flagellation is, but it begins in the present. Laura gets her memory back, realizes that as we heavily speculated, she was the one that betrayed the sisterhood of Dada and locked them up for years, turning them into weapons for the Bureau of Normalcy. Meanwhile, in the present, though, the rest of the Doom Patrol is going through their own things. Larry barfs up a giant maggot and ends up taking care of it most of the episode. Jane is dealing with the fallout of helping Kay steal a bike that leads to some big, big showdowns with the rest of the underground. And meanwhile, Cliff is trying to babysit, and it goes predictably, not horribly wrong, but pretty wrong. Pretty medium horribly wrong. He's bad at everything. Yes. And Cyborg, last but not least, is getting fitted for some human skin and calls none other than Ronnie. She's finally back though, clearly Skyping in from some other show or something like that. I don't know. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Lots of stuff going on uh, overall, though, given all these revelations here. Now that we know what's going on with Laura, now that Rita has looped back to the present, how are you feeling about how we're moving forward with the Sisterhood of Donna storyline? I'm starting to think my theory is getting a little dicey, you know? Oh, about like, <laughs> Laura and Rita being the same person? It's yeah. starting to feel like a know, little man. bit of a long I think shot. in this app, that still, kind of blows up. Still three more episodes. Anything could happen. That's right. Anything this show and, I mean, is insane. Anything can happen in this show. Um, what are you going to do if in the last episode they're like, oh, by the way, Laura, you're also a cyborg. <laughs> yeah, I would have, I was that. So close. JT wins again. Almost there. Uh, let me throw out, this episode was especially triggering because the sisterhood of the Dada has big uh, sketch group that doesn't like each other anymore, but is still performing energy. Uh, I was like, I've been in this group when oh, um, when Rita and Malcolm are sort of performing, and the other, everyone else is like, "This is stupid." I yeah. I should be in charge of the sketch group. We have to do the my funny idea. It oh. was it was theater kid improv group. They are kept in a basement. It's the UCB theater. Basically, and there's one there's one member of the group who's like, "I got a paying job, guys. I got to go do this. I, I, I can't." I can't there's do this couple, comedy stuff anymore. Yeah, I there's a couple pay that's too cute, and then they their work suffers because they're dating. Yeah. It me. Uh, there's it a me. man with a bird in his chest. I had one of those in my sketch comedy group. I got to yeah. say, though, speaking of triggering, like uh, those giant face birds at the end, uh, that was uh, – I've had nightmares like that. And uh, 
It's uh, it's not uh, it's not cool, man. For someone who likes to back up the truck so much, you certainly drive <laughs> to the end of the episode very quickly when we're talking about this. Sorry, well, we were you were saying triggering moments, and uh, you know, uh, I was trying, yeah. I was like, oh no, not this in in television form. <laughs> I would say overall, I like this episode. One of the things that I liked about it is they really got to it relatively quickly with the sisterhood of Dada after last episode. Yeah. And Pete, don't jump on me. I'm just saying they took their time last week's episode, really getting into it and delving into 1917. Here are all the stuff that I expected last week they yes. spend through here. And I appreciated that, that obviously there's a lot more to come with the eternal flagellation, but just particularly the weirdness towards the end of the episode with the birds, with the bird attack, Laura escaping, everybody disappearing. It's a lot of stuff happening at the same time, but that's the sort of quickness and wildness I expect from this show. And I I liked it. I agree. The idea that Rita went back to 1917, lived for 32 years in the Bureau of Normalcy till 1949, and then lived uh, on another life in the same world as the Rita at Doom Manor is wild. That's a wild bit of continuity they've established here. It was really exciting when she pulls the mask off and is uh, in, under the Malcolm mask, and we see her in the present day. The old Scooby Doo move. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Wait, let me just back save up for the next episode for the intro and uh, address uh, Alex's uh, shot at the show a little bit here. Uh, yes, what's nice about the show is sometimes they will move quote unquote faster for people, uh, and sometimes they do take a little bit to kind of have character moments and explore different kind of characters, worlds, and what they're sitting in and what they're struggling with. So. Uh, regardless of the speed being good enough for you, I'm glad that you enjoyed yourself in this episode. Thank Thanks, you for Pete. addressing and, that. And I'm sorry that I was so harsh on the episode. I, I apologize about that. Yeah, yeah. thank you. You're All right. That's, that's good. Thank you. appreciate it. <laughs> Pete, you sometimes, uh, you're on Alex for talking shit about this episode. You do almost nothing but talk shit about Niles and other aspects well, of Well, Niles show. deserves it. That guy's dead for a reason. Yes, he is dead for a reason. You're absolutely correct, Pete. Uh, why don't we not get into this? I feel like we're going to get a quantity, a little bit of a quagmire here. A uh, couple of things Giggity. that I wanted to say about the Rita stuff is, first of all, just, again, jumping to the end of the episode, she still doesn't have her memory back, right? So, like, she knows correct. Laura. She knows the sister of Dada. But even though the Doom Patrol recognizes her, she doesn't know that. Yeah, it's that's what it's so because the Doom Patrol feels like they're just witnesses or sort of the audience for this big um, art project that the sisterhood has been working on. And the only reason it connects is that they know Rita and you see the shock on their face in the same way that we have it, where it's like, what has she become? Why is she with them? She's trying to destroy the world, it seems. Uh, And then throughout the episode, Jane sort of covers it she's like we're we no matter what we do bad shit happens to us so we're just going to keep floating around here until it's over yeah that was a funny kind of moment where it was like uh you know jane was like i don't know if you've been paying attention at all but like we don't do stuff stuff happens to us so we just kind of uh we don't have to really go anywhere which was uh interesting 
kind of thing, especially coming from. I, I love that. The other thing that I wanted to mention about the Rita of it all is Justin, you kind of walk through the history of she's lived this lifetime and then she lives another lifetime. It's still messing me up how old everybody is on this show yeah. without changing at all. And I understand that, like, I don't need them in old age makeup or anything like that. But the fact that Ruta is, I don't know, conservatively 200 years old or something at this point yeah. is wild. Well, and plus, even the sisterhood of Dada, they haven't aged oddly either. Um, and that's just unreferenced. We, at least they did a whole thing about Rita not aging. And that was because of the why Niles chose her to be part of the Doom Patrol and whatnot. They're just unreferenced. Like, yeah, they're still the same. And they made this egg butterfly face birds to fly around here. Um, I love the confidence to just roll into that. Well, what do you think the deal with that is in particular? Well, again, we're just going to kind of stick with the end of the episode, I guess. But what do you think the deal <laughs> is with the face birds? Is there more to the eternal flagellation? Is this resurrecting Malcolm or is it just paying tribute to him? It felt like they really wanted Laura to open the door to the birdcage. And yeah. she didn't. Rita got mad and just did it and released it. So... Uh, it's hard to tell. They, it feels like they wanted revenge on Laura, and now they've unleashed it on the world and t- teleported, seems like, the Doom Patrol to somewhere strange. The next episode's called Subconscious Patrol. So Whoa, maybe it's like... Oh, ahead. Look at you. It just started playing. So maybe they oh, are man. going to go into themselves, a classic Doom Patrol thing, and um, have to... Uh, atone for their sins The eternal flagellation feels like That's what that would be And I'm glad it wasn't flatulation Because when I first heard that I was like There's a lot of butts and now we're going to have farting And I don't know Like This, this seems insane you are Chekhov's Cliff. butthole <laughs> Chekhov's butthole You are Cliff um, I think there's going to be Let me predict there will be a fart next episode Yeah, Really? Maybe that's, that's a, how it ends. Maybe the donkey comes back and oh, Chris like out. it was an eternal flatulation. And oh, everybody that's laughs what I think. and I think. high fives and that's the end of the show. The show. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, it would be crazy if it ended with two episodes left. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. COVID's done wild things to TV. That's all I'm saying. Why yeah. don't we jump back rather than talking about more about the end of the episode, though I'm sure we'll loop back there and talk about everybody's individual storyline since we just referenced him. Let's start with Cliff, who is... Clearly not over the whole Parkinson's thing, despite what he's saying. He is trying to deal, uh, take care of the baby. Um, It's wild to me. This is such a specific thing to book out, but it's wild to me that Clara and her wife leave the baby with Cliff just to walk around the block and get ice cream. They're like, here's the credit card in case there's emergencies. Well, that That was was a little contrived for me. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, sorry that that's the, you know, the flying faces and uh, zombie butts don't bother you. But leaving someone with a credit card uh, in case they need something is, uh, yeah, really far fetched. I would never. I mean, honestly, it's the riskiest thing that happened in this episode. (laughs) Leaving Cliff with a credit card. Well, he sold records. He sold that was heartbreaking. All right. Jane's records. He holds her memorabilia. And then he uses the credit card to get Ginger back at the end. Sadly, yeah. he never gets to see Ginger's hoo-ha, which is a real bummer. I feel like that's Chekhov's hoo-ha right there. That's, yeah. We got a lot of Chekhov here. <laughs> We're definitely a lot of Chekhov. A lot. Uh, theater, theater kids. Um yeah, it, Cliff, this episode just, I was like, is, he's just bad at everything all the time. And you haven't seen, we haven't seen him be like a hero in 
how long? Like there's yeah. a little bit in season one, but he's just like a mess all the time. Yeah, I do wonder what's going to happen in these last couple of episodes, to your point, because he does seem to be kind of just wandering along and letting everything kind of just take him as he goes. Part of that is, I think, his overall panic over the potential, potentially having Parkinson's, and that's what's making him spiral, let alone the fact that he's taking all these pills nonstop, which is obviously exacerbating it. But yeah, I think more than the others... Jane's taking proactive steps. Cyborg is taking proactive steps. Rita Sansa memory is taking proactive steps. And even Larry taking care of that gross parasite maggot thing is taking proactive steps. But Cliff is the one who's very much stuck in stasis and only getting worse right now. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, we'll Um, see what happens. Still fun to watch him like try to turn off the fire alarm by breaking it. That was a fun little bit. It was just too stressful for me to see Cliff. Uh, like he failed so hard in the last episode. I was proud of him for telling Jane the truth and it was hilarious that the, uh, you know, he got banished from the house because of the share workout tapes, which of course we all know is collectibles and worth a ton of cash. Mm-hmm. And then You're just more right? sentimental. Uh, yeah. Mint condition, Pete. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want people coming after me for those tapes. Yeah. So I'm not I mean, I don't want to mention anything. I don't want people coming after you either, but you have the sunny workout tapes as well. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Got to watch them together. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I just like with Angel and Buffy on DVD when they'd have those crossovers. You got to flip out one DVD, put in the next DVD. Same thing uh, with the sunny I and share tapes. I love workout continuity. Like when the, <laughs> the two trainers come together that way. Uh, yeah, I just, it sucks to see Cliff fail so hard back to back like this. I was hoping for at least a little bit of a win. Um, but I was super proud of him for not, uh, spending, uh, his daughter's money. So at least uh, I had that. Well, he paid his cam girl with her money. Wait. Yeah. He paid Ginger with the money. Oh no. (laughs) Fuck. I didn't realize that. You were so proud. Oh, fuck. God damn it. Why don't we move on to somebody who I love this episode. Larry, a gross storyline, but so great, so funny. The lines in particular for Larry in this episode killed me. The whole barfing the giant maggot thing, obviously very gross. But the exchange, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, just that whole scene where Laura is trying to question him about it and yeah, sort of prod yeah. him in the right direction. He's like, out of yeah. my mouth. Yes. So the stuff that I wrote down, uh, first of all, Laura yelling at him for being asleep at 11 a.m. and being like, come on, get up, get off of the floor. Very funny. But then asking, have you been anywhere weird recently? And he says, I went to Costco for the first time two weeks ago. <laughs> That's great. Great, great joke. Line. That's just but, a great one-liner. So funny. And then the follow-up of her saying, when one expels a living 16-pound parasite, there's really only one thing to do. And then Larry takes a pause and says, give it a name? (laughs) And then her reaction back, oh, Jesus Christ, you burn it. No, what are you doing? What are you doing? And her wandering away and the sound getting lighter as she goes. Perfect. Perfection on that scene. Yeah, um, I agree. It's funny this these last few episodes. It feels like we're rotating which character gets like the banger lines, and yeah. today it's LT. I love well, it. I mean, how, what do you guys feel about that? Because it glowed, so I was like, you can't burn it. I thought it was, you know, maybe another kind of like uh, space entity 
Um, so I was glad to see him not burn it. But what do you guys, are you guys team Laura there? If you give birth to a uh, kind of gross looking bug like that, are you going to kill it immediately or burn it? Now I let them hang around for a little while, see what kind of bug they are. Okay. All right. Yeah. I usually keep a couple of maggots around just in case I need to learn some (laughs) lessons. Yeah. You ever barf a hundred (laughs) mosquitoes? Especially bad in winter. Yeah. No, that is really bad. Uh, I was going to offer up something. I'm hesitating here because I know last episode, Pete says he doesn't want to know anything from the behind the episode stuff. But I thought... Do not want well, to. Well, hold on. But I think like this is relevant because it was Matt Bomer talking about this specific tor- storyline. And I, I guess like I didn't exactly pick up on it, but it totally makes sense. What he was saying about what this is, is this is the negative spirit giving him what he needs, even if it's not what he knows what he needs. And in this case, he's just rejected his son, Paul. So now he's getting something else from infancy that he has to learn how to take care of. Yeah. Because I mean, he raising all of that. Yeah. yeah. Raising a, chi- a human hey, child. Remember when and- you were like, hey, I'm hesitant to spoil something. You should listen to that. But, but that <laughs> I wanted to find it's, out with it's the thematic. show what that was. This is what they're giving you. You just you told without... me what was going to no, no, fucking no, happen. Here's the you thing. Asshole. Here's the thing. I haven't that seen that happened it, in right? this episode. That happened in That's this episode. Yeah, it's not a spoiler. You watched it. Yeah, the, but I didn't know. The thing that's good about the Doom Patrol is they don't feed you this stuff. They show it to you and let you pick up it or not. Yeah, and they I barf not, it out their mouths. They barf it out their mouths. But it's up to you if you want to pick through that barf to see what they ate last night. Oh, my God. You know and I just want to say, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, Pete, I'm going to keep talking about my opinions on this episode for the rest of this podcast. Oh, okay, wow. great. I, I'll allow it. Every conversation is <laughs> a spoiler when you think about it. <laughs> Big spoiler, we're all going to die someday. <laughs> the Larry stuff is great. I also love the scene later on in the woods when he's leaving it and he just can't leave it and gives yes. it a sandwich. That's a bottle of coffee Star, and he wraps it up. It. Very cute, very fun, very excited to see what happens there. Uh, why don't we talk about Jane? Because that's another one that's running through the episode. There was a very weird scene in the middle here that, again, maybe I was just being dumb when I was watching this. but Probably. Kay is rejecting her. She goes to confront the underground and there's a moment where she freezes and looks around at everybody and the music builds up to something terrifying. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what's, what's going on here? It's the underground is turned on her. Like, sure. sure. Okay. All... That, that's it. There's nothing more than that. I felt no, like there was, was some just revelation like she, we were supposed it to It used to be like, Hey guys, like, right. Like, you know, we're trying to pe- please Kay. And then there was this moment of, she realizes that, they have their own agenda, which is to keep themselves relevant to Kay's life, keep her dependent on them instead of what Jane is trying to do, which is be like, hey, you know, she needs to grow and kind of learn to do things on her own and maybe m- won't need us one day. I think that's spot on, P. And she because she I think she always thought that everyone was sort of working together. Yeah. And now it For turns Kay. out she's on the outside. Yeah. Um. I also noticed there was no chainsaw nun. We saw right? all those faces. Chainsaw nun is not there. Hashtag where is chainsaw nun? Exactly. Do you think chainsaw nun got on another show? Like maybe maybe Chicago Fire? Or oh something wait, like wait. That? I'm oh. sorry. I'm sorry. You're gonna land the role of chainsaw nun, and then you're gonna be like, sorry, I got another gig. No, there I'm is saying no other chainsaw gig. nun got another gig. She's in Halo. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes She's sense. working with Master Chief, who's another real person. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand your reference. Dude, they're dating. It's a it's sort of an uh, really? odd romance. Yeah, power Master couple, G- man. Power couple. That's great. The only person who can get through Halo Chief's uh, Halo Chief is the character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The armor is Chainsaw Nut. Master Chef. Uh, yeah, they're they're a they're a power couple. You guys just like naming system. topical things. Is that what's happening? That's all. That's this what podcast a podcast is, is. baby. <laughs> My guy. Uh, and the other thing I want to say about this storyline is someone stole her bike. Pete, as a man, last episode, who was like, where's the owner of this bike? Kay's wrong. She stole a bike. Did you feel, are you on the side of the rest of the underground? Well, no. First off, how did nobody turn to Kay and be like, oh, you mean the bike you stole? There it It could have been, uh, the original thing, but now I'm thinking of someone in the underground Who's trying to like keep Kay afraid of the top world and stole the bike? Maybe it but was Chainsaw Nun. Maybe Chainsaw Nun is that's riding why she for was her little oh, life on the bike, or maybe <laughs> she's just happy and just having mm. you know the sun in her face and the wind in her hair. And oh, okay, see, the only problems when Kay steals the bike, not Chainsaw Nun. Well, if it was Chainsaw Nun, I mean, she gets a turn. Uh, anybody she else think they they gotta die? She gets a turn on the bike. <laughs> yeah, she gets a turn on the bike. If you that's steal something nice. twice, like if you steal something that's stolen, is that good in your estimation? I'm just trying to figure out your well, no, compensation. I mean, first off, somebody's got to give that bike to the original owner. You know what I mean? Yeah. The OG. Well, you're, you yeah. believe um, an eye for an eye makes the whole world happy. Right. Right? Yep. That's your, that's your theory. Um, and I also like you have a parenting sorry, style. Just to clarify, in Pete's opinion, that means trading eyeballs, right? Yeah. <laughs> you get oh, one of mine, I, I get one of yours. I want to try out one of those blue eyes you have. <laughs> uh, you have a, the model of parenting is when someone makes a mistake, you just rub their face in it. Like, no, no. pee on the floor. What do you do when your cat, which again, you really need to give her a six o'clock treat tonight. <laughs> She's earned it. Don't worry, I'm on it. If your cat uh, poops outside the litter box, Getting their face rubbed in it? Um, yeah, I mean, that's so far me yelling at the cat has not done a lot, but I'm not giving up. Steal the cat's bike. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Let's talk about Cyborg. I was pretty down on the storyline the yeah, last episode, but this episode we do move forward pretty significantly. He decides to get human skin. skin wait, 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 wait. Me. Yes, what? wait. Well, let's back up the truck. The Morse code move. Was money. I mean, that was That's not fun. backing up the truck. That's, in fact, moving the truck <laughs> forward because after he decides to get human skin, he calls Ronnie. It was the next thing I was going to say. You oh, know what, okay. Pete? I don't even know if you know how to drive I in relation to this truck it's, that is I've driving been in New York all City over the for place. 21 years, and it's uh, it's hard to remember. It's you not like also riding a bike. don't live in New York City. Do you know yeah, that? Exactly. No, We're just, New Yorkers in New York. I, I did live in New York oh, City for did? 21 years, and then, you know, like then now you I'm moved driving. to Trucktown, USA, though. So Trucktown, USA, baby. You have a real Jesus take the wheel attitude about driving this truck, Pete, and I don't know where it's going to end up. You damn right I got Yosemite Sam on the back of my mud flaps. I mean, come out. <laughs> come what out. What did you think about the cyborg storyline and Ronnie's return in particular? Well, I thought it was great. It was this interest. First off, we got this lovely moment where Cyborg got to meet someone who knew his mom. Really nice, touching stuff. The way nice he doctor. kind of talked. Yeah, it was just really a kind of a sweet moment. And then she's like, well, you got to talk to a loved one. And he calls Ronnie. And so yeah. I was moved by that. I was very moved. 
And I'm happy. I'm not sure about her reasons, but I was happy she was like, yo, what the fuck you doing, cyborg? You're a cyborg, man. Like, yeah, it sucks, but like, you can't turn back time, man. You're here now. You got a sweet arm cannon. Like, don't take that away. Well, he was proud of it when he was talking to the doctor, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, since he is talking about getting rid of it all. I mean, if you meet someone who you can flirt over Morse code with, you better lock that down. Exactly. Man. I've been Morse coding for a long time and no one's picking up on it. That's why put a ring on it. Samuel Morse invented it, actually. He wanted to flirt yeah. with a girl and he didn't know how to do it in person. Too shy. They'll, mm-hmm. There's a meat cute right there. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, totally. Alex Romcom, write it up. Okay, I'll definitely write it. The girl's going to be like, what? What are these? Beeps? <laughs> <laughs> Boops? Beep, I don't... It's called a beep cute. Oh, yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, you boy. should write it, I think. The I loved Ronnie's <laughs> return here to Pete's point when they said love Lun. I was hoping he was going to call Ronnie. I hope that was going to be the swerve there. But I still feel like... We need to see them at a scene together. I honestly don't know what's Take going it on. Easy. No, She's I don't know what's going out, on. There's like, got to be on something. A secret mission, like, killing people, doing evil shit. She, you know, it feels to me like they could only get her for two days out of this whole season so far, and that was don't, it. And don't it's put a real life shit on our kind of thing. All right. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah. Don't pull back the curtain. Let's just enjoy the magic of the TV show. And not. Think I heard about that. that Ronnie got. She got a role on Chicago Fire with chains on. Well, I mean, you can't <laughs> turn that down. Yeah, uh, they're dating. They, wow, <laughs> it's a real beep cute. I yeah, did exactly. like the the kind of like Ronnie being like you know like fucking change your happiness, bro. Like what's what's important to you? You know. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with both of you. I didn't like the use of Ronnie here. After all this, it builds up to them having a, a cell phone conversation where they don't actually connect. And she sort of helps him, but she also seems like disinterested and busy. I was like, Doing that's why exactly was my big Dare question. Yeah. Like, is she taking down Quorum? Is she doing Black Ops again? Black what exactly? Ops. She's doing Black Ops for whom? Black Ops. I don't Black know. She's Ops. in the woods. She's in the woods. She could have. Mm-hmm. She could have been doing a watercolor. We don't know. Hmm. Ooh, wow. I need more from it. But already in this storyline, I was pleasantly surprised because I think you expect when. Wait, you wait, go wait, wait, wait. So, Justin, you're saying that him reaching out to his true love before he makes the mistake of taking Cyborg away was not a good move. No, for two reasons. One, she doesn't help him. He goes through with it. As we there, he well, was about to go through with it before to go he. Through with it. Yep, so that he she didn't help him enough. That conversation stalled him enough, so he for was, like five minutes. Yeah, it worked. The fog happened, and he didn't have the procedure. So she it, didn't know about the fog when the it was fuck happening. Cares? It, she she served the purpose. She talked him down enough for him to kind of like delay the procedure until the fog could take care of business. I'm just saying that she doesn't seem to care about him, and I don't know why this show keeps telling us that they are true love. Okay, first off, Cyborg is new about this, and yes, she does not seem to care, and maybe, but maybe she needs somebody to fight for love for a little bit for her. Like, she pushes people away, maybe somebody who fights for her love will then get it. Um, You know, like, it's her choice. I'm not trying to say that she doesn't, but maybe Cyborg does some changing, starts fighting for for change and what for, for what she's into. Maybe the black, not the black ops stuff, but maybe they can find some common ground and maybe they can make it work 
Yeah, I know they met. She took advantage of him to try to get that weird uh, bug juice that then got her. That's not a meet cute. That's she took advantage of him to get something. Classic um, story. You make a bet with your friend about dating someone maybe you shouldn't. You step outside of your comfort zone. Next thing you know, you fall in love. Come on, man. Yeah, you met your girlfriend when she um, had a Cockney accent and you tried to make her be a real lady, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't work so Classic. far, I think. <laughs> yeah. Still her accent at. is thick. <laughs> I do want to get back to the overall storyline, though, because... I didn't necessarily mind this, but it was very weird and surprising to me how easy this was. Like, you expect, given Doom Patrol, given the three seasons of Doom Patrol, that Cyborg goes to a place to get human skin instead of his robot body. And A, the doctor's going to be weird. B, there's going to be something horrific that happens with his skin. But in this case, she's like, friendly. And also, she's like, yeah, no problem. We'll just change the code and you'll be have skin overnight. All good. Yeah. So, I agree. She was oddly nice. Yes. So I don't think there actually is anything insidious being hidden there, but that in itself as a choice is surprising to me. Pete, you were upset that we are complimenting this storyline? I just don't understand why you're fighting storylines so hard. You know what I mean? Like, I, I thought it was a nice moment to have, instead of it being some... Awkward office talk with the doctor. Like, You're right, Pete. From awesome. now on, none of the three of us will argue about any storylines, yeah. including you. I'm right. Just we'll not fight this. Pete, you've lost a 1,000 fights with the storylines. You're like a boxer who can't win when it comes to fighting storylines. Or maybe he's just waiting for that one one time when he does win. Nice. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Here we go. I do think to get back to speculation about this storyline, though, and where it can go horrible, this is something I've been talking about since I think pretty much season one. If they're going to remove Grid and his code, I think we're going to get Grid for the comics, who is sort of like evil cyborg, just sort of this half robot body thing. That's going around and attacking everything Cyborg loves. So I don't know if that's going to be a season ender or something like that, but I feel like we might see that in some form now. That, yeah, Stop that feels like a season four, season four thing. Because I think Cyborg's going to be caught up. Uh, what do we have, three episodes left? The, this, this feels like the main thrust of the season at this point, the Sisterhood of Dada. And it's sort of Rita's season, so I feel like that'll be a setup, if anything. Yeah. Any other moments from the episode that we should call out in particular? I mean, you know, a lot of people don't uh, talk about how scary fog is, but I think we all learned a valuable <laughs> lesson in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's scary as fuck. Yeah. You, you can try to close the chimney. You can try to duct tape doors, but that's just going to get in there. You know? Another great air. Larry moment, though, where yeah. he just walks in the front door. Yeah. She's like, she's what? Like, what? She walked in. what did you... I, been sealing everything up. Uh, all of the frustration from Laura throughout this episode was very fun. Very simple camera trick of her just walking from one side of the hallway to the other across the camera, but very enjoyable as well. And just her trying to leap in particular from one side to the other yeah. was fun. Um, so yeah. good stuff. I mean, this this episode and I guess these last few episodes are sort of like a very theatrical love letters to theater almost like with that sort of silent film esque uh, moment with, with uh, Laura there. Like it's it's very fun. It's really. Yes. 
Oh, there was just one thing uh, while I was looking through my notes I wanted to throw out to you guys. I believe this is Laura says this back in time in 1949 about the Bureau of Normalcy. She says, the big eye in the sky is watching you. Yeah, right. That was weird. Do you think that was a reference to the unmaker from the first season? How could it not be, right? Probably. I don't think so, but okay. you never know with this. Um, one it's thing not I want a to call saying, out, though, the big eye in the sky is watching you. Yeah, I say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, weird. Um, CBS, the big eye. <laughs> <laughs> we watch Young them, Sheldon. they watch us. Always Young watching. Don't, don't yeah, sits in his tower. He's the Sauron of our real world. Um, Wally Sage is in this episode. Um, a character that uh, Laura's interviewing. Um, he can make drawings uh, come to life. He created Flex Mentallo and made him come to life, I think, right out of the page. Whoa! Oh, really? Yeah, Wally Sage is the, the in-continuity, the in-DC universe creator of Flex Mentallo. And we see him pull the beach ball out, and I think that's how he made Flex come to life. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Cool. Nice catch, bro. Yeah, just um, doing the research. Because the other thing I noticed, uh, last episode, Alex, you said, watching with the subtitles, you saw the Laura character named something else. Shipley, yeah. Uh, Shipley? No, there was another oh, one that Laura, you did. yes. Should I uh, mention that? Well, I saw it this time, and okay. I think it's fine to mention. I don't know, because she's sort of evil. Yeah, Madame Rouge is the name of the character. They've... Subtitled her as that since the beginning of the season, so they haven't been yep. keeping it secret. And I think they even introduced her as that, but uh, we haven't seen like her be this arch evil villain at any point in the season. So I do wonder if it's just using the character from the comics like they do, sort of like skirting it a little bit, or if we are going to have her go nuts in some way by the final episode. We'll have to see, I guess. Yeah. It, it's weird to use her and not have any of that, because um, she's a character, for those that don't know, who has like a split personality, basically, is good and evil in different times. And that's sort of what it's becoming, it seems like. Yeah, that seems like that's really her deal. Though I did love the move at the end here where she is scared, even when she has her memories, that she doesn't want to face up to what Rita is putting down for her. So she finally, after promising it for an entire season, turns into a bird and flies off with this flock of Malcolm face bird things. Uh, So I I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see her be evil. I think there's more sympathy for who she is and who everybody is on this show, uh, particularly in this season. So it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out. Ironically, Rita's the one that's sort of evil for coming up with the great, um, the eternal flagellation. And I guess in a lot of ways, she's sort of just like Laura. You could almost say there's the I mean, the the part where they're kind of like, (laughs) we kind of see the, we saw the dude appear wearing that messed up face. And then we got to see in this episode, like where that came from and how it's like so much sweeter than we originally thought. And so much more moving, even if it is at the time of like when an improv troupe is trying to decide if we're going to break up or if we're going to start an evil cult or what it's going to happen. A lot of cults start as improv groups. Yeah, I know. I mean, we saw that in this episode of how quickly it can happen. What do you think about the fact that um, uh, Malcolm died with that mask on, and so that's how he looked in the afterlife? Is that going to make you be careful, like, what hat you're wearing Well, it's you cool thing about, like, you know, if you do that face, your face is going to get stuck like that. I mean, and yeah. then you walk around the afterlife. You know. I got to say, I am shocked, Pete, at you in particular, because I, the second I saw that mask, 
I thought you were going to call out Baby Ruth, right? Ooh. Sloth from Goonies. Oh, dude, how dare you? That's just... What? That's, that's how awful. dare I what? That's awful. <laughs> What's awful are you talking about? That guy about? was born and beaten into that. It was just... The character? Come on, yeah. Chunk, Sloth. It, uh, Chunk was, you know, to- a tortured person. Chunk? 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 Well, not Chunk, but the Sloth guy. He's, he seemed pretty happy. Yeah, he's fine. He says, "Baby Ruth." Oh my God! Why is this your line? <laughs> uh, it was it was tragic. As soon as he said "sloth," Pete like really Pete started like, crying. How dare you? Can you yeah. not watch Goonies? Do you have a problem with Goonies, Pete? I love Goonies. One of the greatest movies of all You're time. You're doing the truffle shuffle right now. How dare you? <laughs> what How is dare this? you? The outrage pendulum is wa- swinging wildly as usual. You root for the Fratellis when you watch Goonies, right? Pete? <laughs> no, no, come on. What about in Goonies too? Did you root for the Fratellis in Goonies too? The uh, Nintendo game that was impossible, impossible to win. Well, I'm sorry, Pete. I, re- I on my so- behalf of myself with the fictional character Sloth. I apologize. Okay, cool, cool. Appreciate I love it. when Sloth and Chunk got together. They're dating. Oh, it was. <laughs> it's it's love at first sight. Did you hear they got cast on Chicago Fire? <laughs> that show is wild. Uh, they can do know, anything. I don't know what's going on on it. I only watch Chicago PD. Oh, boy. Before we wrap up here, Very who different. was most doomed? Wait, wait. This- I mean, we got to talk about, like, you know, a lot of people get shocked and uh, can walk away from it. But if you shock a canary in a birdcage, you know what I mean? You're just going to kill that person. Now, that was a sad moment, though, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. Don't. You got to be careful with canaries. They're yeah. famously fragile. That's their whole thing. Yeah. That's why you bring them into a mine. That's why you make that, uh, you know, if you give up oh, your heart. Yeah. Okay. I I always thought you'd bring the canary in the coal mine in case you need a quick snack. <laughs> they didn't have lunch boxes back there. <laughs> right. So you they just have cages full canary of canaries. Now. You can pick one out. Hey, what's a wing? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want a canary wing? Very delicate. Oh, man. Why don't we talk about who was most doomed this episode? Pete, who was most doomed this Rita's episode? Rita's relationship with uh, Canary Heart was, um, was most doomed in this episode. It was sad to see. Um, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, we saw him earlier and didn't realize who it was. So it was such a powerful and sweet reveal, especially when they had that moment when the kind of like... Uh, People were marching down the hallway and Rita was holding hands. It was nice to kind of see her happy in those moments. Don't you um, think he might come back in this season? I don't know. It seemed like he turned to a giant face egg that then released a bunch of face birds onto everybody. So, Well, if you turned into a face bird, Pete, I'd still be friends with you. Wow. Even though I zapped you into a different realm? Well, Yeah. Is it a huh. cool realm? I guess we'll find out next time. We'll yeah, find some yeah, sort of tune cool in. world. <laughs> yes, oh, exactly. Boy. Whoa, that's a sexual cartoon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Justin. Sorry on, you had a reaction a la sloth to be mentioned in cool <laughs> hey, world. How dare you? Yeah, How dare like, you? Don't cool you, world me. It's yeah. the middle of the day, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I have work to do. Yeah, I have to go back to work after this. Now I need to be thinking about cool world all day, a combination of humans and cartoons in a very sexy way. Let me just say, our reference uh, lexicon of cool world, Chicago Fire, uh, My Fair Lady, 
No one gets this. <laughs> no, one, no one understands what the fuck we're talking about, except for each other. And oh. that's why we truly are the most doomed. Oh. Wow, that's good. Wow. I'm going to give it up to Laura this episode. I think I just heard the last episode, too, but she seems in a real bad place again. Everybody is against her. Doom Patrol doesn't want her. There's a very funny moment where Dane is like, I thought you were going to fucking leave already. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they don't want her here. Sister of Donna is basically going to destroy the world or something against her, and she can't face any of those feelings and has turned into a bird and flown away. So very sad. We'll have to see what uh, happens. But to be more specific, though, I think um, Cliff is the most doomed in the show because he's fa- he's spiraling up, worse he's than anyone else. Yeah. yeah. And um, but even more specifically, I think the most doomed is whoever's riding in this truck that Pete keeps trying to back up. <laughs> <laughs> because he keeps trying to back it up, but he's yeah, going he forward and sideways and yeah. all over the place. I think the turning column's dented or something. If you would like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, and many more. And now, a piece of advice from Pete LePage. Uh, Don't kneel to evil people. Happiness or change, bro. O'Neill. I want this segment to be called A Pete of Advice from Pete LePage. Oh, that's much better. I think you're going to say it every single time we get to this part of the podcast. (laughs) I'll write it down. We'll do it next time.